There we go. <laughs> we're still learning a new piece of software here, so hang with us. So this morning we're going to be in a couple of uh, passages of Scripture. We're going to be um, in Hebrews 9.22. If you've got a bulletin on the back of your bulletin, there's both of our texts this morning. We're going to be in uh, Hebrews 9 and 22, and then in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be in verse 12 through 19. So I don't know how long ago it was. It's, it's been a while. I, I heard someone ask a question, and uh, the, the question was this. If, if what was really necessary for my forgiveness was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross... Did he really have to rise from the dead? And I think some of you remember, we actually dealt with this a little bit back a while back when we were uh, working our way through Lee Strobel's book, Case for Christ, and in preparation for, uh, for uh, seeing the movie. But, and I heard that question, I thought, well, well, duh, of course we have to believe in the resurrection. And... Uh, you know, it, it's an interesting thought. Is the, is the resurrection, was the resurrection necessary? If blood sacrifice is what brought us forgiveness, why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? And that kind of led me down. I was thinking about that about a couple of weeks ago, actually. And uh, that, that sort of led me down a different thought trail. I thought, well, what if we didn't have one or the other? What if we didn't have Friday? Or what if we didn't have Sunday? And so that's what I want to look at this morning is what if without, so without Friday, what would happen? Well, I think it's obvious. Without Friday, there's no forgiveness. If Good Friday doesn't happen, if Jesus isn't crucified on the cross, if he doesn't sacrifice his life, there's no forgiveness. So Friday morning, not literally this past Friday, but that that Friday, so to speak, 2,000 or so years ago, not however long it was exactly, that Friday morning, when everyone got up out of bed and had their Cheerios for breakfast, there was a veil. There was a separation of, between God's presence and mankind. And, and that veil that existed, now we, we had a physical representation of it. If you went to the temple, and if you happened to be a Jewish man, in fact, if you happen to be a Jewish man who was a priest, you could get right up to the physical representation of the separation between God and mankind. And that was a veil, a heavy veil or curtain that hung, that kept you from going into what they called the holiest of holy places, the place where God actually dwelt in, in his uh, purest, his presence was, and if you want to say in its purest form. Where he, where God was, and so there was this, but there was this veil, and no one went that far. In fact, the temple is filled with lots of separations. As you, and I'm not going to get into the whole uh, structure of the temple, but if you were to go to the temple in Jerusalem, the first thing you notice you, is that you kind of entered through different stages or places, and they all had names. You could, anyone could enter the first area, which I think what was called the outer courts of a people or something, anyone could enter there. To the, to the very farthest out, anyone could come to that place. But then to get into the next place, you had to be Jewish. In fact, then to get into the next place, you not only had to be Jewish, but you had to be male, right? Am I, am I, 
our Adersheim, our Adersheim uh, expert over here. You had to be, not only had you, you had to be Jewish, but you had to be male. And then far back after that, I think you had to be a priest. And, and so there was, as you went, got farther and closer and closer and closer to this holiest of holy places, the, the criteria of who could enter became tighter and tighter and tighter. And finally, that last place, the only person who ever went into the holiest of holy places was the high priest, and he only went there one day a year, and he only went there after he had gone through this very detailed cleansing and, and uh, this whole ritual of things that he had to do to prepare himself to enter into God's presence. And that's on that Good Friday, that's the way things stood. That in order to enter the presence, to be in the presence of God, you had to be the high priest and you had to go through this lengthy preparation to prepare yourself to enter into that place. Because there was a separation between God and man. And, and, but the thing is, is that that's not the way it had always been. If we go back yet another few uh, thousand or hundreds of years however long it happened to be, you go all the way back to the garden, you'll find that things were very different then. That now we don't, if you read through, through, uh, <clears throat> through uh, Genesis, you'll realize that, you know, for the longest time, preachers have preached about Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the evening. We don't really know that they took a walk with Jesus or with God in the cool of the evening. Because the, it doesn't really actually say that. It's something that on, on, one, on some level we seem to infer it. We've decided that, well, yeah, they, since it says that they heard God in the cool of the evening, although did you know that in the cool of the evening could have meant the wind, the wind of the day. That's another way that the Hebrew there can be translated is the wind of the day. We're not going to get into that whole discussion, but here's the thing. We know that Adam and Eve got to hang out with God for a while in the garden. And there, there wasn't then... A separation. In fact, before a one particular event, which you all know what it was, there was no fear of being in God's presence. They could just enter into God's presence. There was no separation. But then, of course, we know what happened in Genesis, somewhere around, a little before Genesis, it's right around in Genesis 3, there was a little incident that occurred in which they partook of the apple from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sin entered the world. In fact, the first time we see a real separation between God and man is when he expelled them from the garden. And from then on, there was this veil that separated God. And so without, and that's where we found, where everyone found themselves on the Friday that Jesus was crucified. We read the story of of the crucifixion, and I believe it's only actually recorded in Matthew and Luke's Gospels. We said, what what is one of the things, anyone remember, there were two, two supernatural things that happened when Jesus died. The first was what? Anyone remember? Quiz? That came... That, that they, they, they called it an earthquake, yes. But they, they, what they call it? The darkness. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Some people link the earthquake and the darkness together and, and see them as kind of one thing. But So there was the darkness. 
<laughs> the zombie apocalypse when, when some of their... So, can you imagine that? Guess who showed up for dinner? Great grandma. Uh, Mom, we need to go see the doctor. Great grandma did not come to dinner at your house yesterday. <laughs> no. There was the, a dark... It says that a darkness fell... And then finally, the veil was torn from top to bottom. The second one happened. The, the darkness was there for what, three hours? From the sixth hour of the day till the ninth hour of the day. Does anyone have any idea what time of day that was? Right. Noon to three. That's the, there's, believe it or not, there's argument over that, depending on whether they used, yeah, they used, did they use Hebrew time or were they on Roman time? <laughs> you think we have trouble with states not following daylight savings time. They had different time systems. The other, time, the other thing you have to realize is that it's not an exact science because the hour of the day had something to do with how much daylight there was. In other words, every day was divided into 12, 12 periods for the day, 12 hours of the day, and 12 hours for the night. And it was dependent on how much light there was. So that means in the in up until June, what is it, June twenty whatever, when you hit June twenty whatever, there's actually those twelve hours were actually what, thirteen and a half, fourteen hours? Because that's how much daylight there is. And then when you hit December twentieth or wherever we, we hit our 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 longest our shortest day, the twelve hours of the day are a much smaller period of time. What we know is that some it was somewhere <laughs> probably between 11.30 and 4. <laughs> Those hours, the, when Jesus hung on the cross, it became very dark. And they actually, there was an action. When he announced that it was finished, the veil was torn. So before Friday, if you take Friday out of the equation, we, our lives are hopeless. We have no hope of forgiveness. The veil would still be there if Friday hadn't happened. That separation would still be there. Jesus had to die. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says this. It says, According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. Only Jesus could die. Only Jesus died. The only way that you and I are absolved of our guilt and are absolved of sins, both guilt and penalty, is for Jesus to die on the cross. So without Friday, there's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness. Anyone have an idea of who is the first one? Kind of what I see, the first person to enter into the new covenant? Who was it? I think it was the thief. I think it was the thief. He was Jesus' first new covenant. That's just me. You could probably, on a technicality, you could probably say, well, Jesus wasn't dead yet. But, yeah, you showed up. The only fella that showed up, yeah, the disciples. Yeah. God's garden. God's garden. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a Persian word. In Abraham's bosom. So you could have that whole group, but the thief was the one. I'm sticking with the thief. That could be too. 
We don't know. Those are all things we do not know. Without Friday, there's no forgiveness. So what about without Sunday? I want to move on to that because today is Sunday. Without Sunday, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 19. These are the words of Paul to the Corinthian church. And here's something, a little bit of backstory here. You have to understand that when Paul writes this, he writes this on this particular topic for a specific reason. And that's because the Corinthian church, there was a group of people there who did not believe in resurrection. There, in their eyes, there was no resurrection from the dead. Who was it in the Jewish area? Was it the Sadducees? It was the Sadducees that didn't believe in the resurrection. Because if you, if you go all the way back in the Old Testament, you find Old Testament references to the resurrection. But there was a group that did not believe in that, and that was the Sadducees, Hebrew-wise. The Corinthian church was a whole different group of people. They did not believe in any bodily resurrection. So that's, and, and these are people in the Corinthian church who were struggling with this. They didn't believe that there was any bodily resurrection. And so Paul writes them a pretty pointed letter here. And we're going to kind of jump into the middle of it. Beginning to read in verse 12. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among, of you, some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Makes sense. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins." Lost my place. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Those are strong words. Those are strong words. What that says to me is the resurrection is a cornerstone. The resurrection is a cornerstone of our faith. So without Friday, there's no forgiveness. But what about without Sunday? Without Sunday, our faith is futile. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Here's an interesting, another interesting statement. I want you to listen to this closely. Again, a writing of Paul. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you, did you catch that? That if you confess with your mouth the, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What Paul's doing there is he's wrapping up the crucifixion and the resurrection in one inseparable package. One inseparable package. I'm reading a book right now called um, Not God Enough. And I haven't actually gotten to the chapter. I know it's there because I read the, uh, I read the foreword. There's a chapter in there where he talks about you don't get your own personal Jesus. My curiosity's peaked. In our world today, 
our society believes that God is a little bit like going to Burger King. You remember? You can have it your way. Remember those old commercials? Have it your way at Burger King? The fact is, I remember that if you went to McDonald's, used to be when you went to McDonald's and you asked for a quarter pounder without something, you waited a long time. Because they want, and I think they did it on purpose, because they wanted to discourage you from getting it your way. A quarter pounder comes with, what is it? I don't even remember. Ketchup, mustard, pickle, and onion, right? That's a Big Mac. But today, we want to have Jesus our way. We want to have God our way. And Paul was seeing that, Paul was seeing that even with the Roman church and with the Corinthian church. They said, you know, we, we're fine with Jesus dying on the cross, sacrificing himself for our sins, but we're really struggling with this resurrection business. That just seems a little far-fetched. And maybe they also struggled with the, the whole thing about people talking about grandma coming back for dinner, the, where others had been, where the, the dead came out of the graves. That whole thing really bothered them. They didn't like the sound of that. They struggled with it. But Jesus, or but Paul says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's put it all together in one package. And what he's saying is you can't have one without the other. You can't mix, you can't do this mix or match what you're going to believe. This is the way that it is. It's also, this is one of the, folks, this is going to be one of the challenges that you will have in living your witness in today's world. Because there will be some people that will say, yeah, you know, I, I really like the idea of, of Jesus dying for my sins, but I've got to be honest, I really struggle with him telling me that I can't marry my dog. I kind of was a little, went a little extreme with that. <laughs> but that's really kind of the, that's really the direction that we go. We struggle. It's a challenge for us to live the truth and express the truth. And yet, I think we see, we hear that message very clear. Paul said, you have to believe that God raised him from the dead. Romans chapter 1, verse four, 4, verses 1 to 4, Paul opens his letter to the Roman church by saying, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he had promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. You see, if we don't have Sunday, without Sunday, without the resurrection, all of our Christian preaching or teaching is invalidated. Paul says our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. You see, you can't mix or match. You don't get to say, I like the idea that Jesus would die for my sins, but I'm really struggling with the resurrection from the dead, and I'm struggling with all these other things. 
See, if we do not accept Christ, if we do not accept him for who he is and who has declared himself to be, our faith is empty. It also says, it, all, it just holds no, no substance, no truth, no power. And that's, that's the point of, of, I think his name is Greer or something, the guy that's the author that wrote the book I'm reading. His point is that we have scaled our God down to such a point that he's a God that has no real power. He has no real power. And that's exactly what Paul is getting at. He says, our, your faith is futile. It's incapable of producing anything worthwhile. See, if we don't believe in the resurrection, our faith is futile. It's pointless. Think about it. Without the resurrection, what point is there to Christianity? Christ's resurrection was God's validation or God's acceptance of Christ's sacrifice. Another way to look at it, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, sin won because Jesus is still dead. And yet, we know that's not the fact, right? That's not the case. Jesus won. The resurrection is a demonstration God's victory over sin and the grave. So without Friday, there's no forgiveness. And without Sunday, there's no point. Our faith becomes empty. Our faith becomes futile. But if you add Friday and Sunday together, it means our destiny is assured. Because on Friday, the separating veil was destroyed. On Sunday, death was destroyed. And that means that nothing outside of your own heart can alter your destiny, your eternal destiny. That also means that there is no end. There is no end. Isn't that really what scares most of us? The idea of an end. How many of you actually struggle when you, you know, the second day of vacation, what do you start thinking? I only have five days left. We don't like ends. We don't like ends. And that's, that's kind of a lighthearted one. I mean, how many of you, I know, honey, I'm not throwing you under the bus. <laughs> I know, we're going to my in-laws for, for Easter dinner this afternoon. We're going to spend some time with my in-laws, whom I love dearly, and I do. That is not a joke. Stop. <laughs> of course, someone else is going to be there, a little short, short girl, going to be there. And I know my wife is going to struggle to leave. Why? Because we don't like ends. We don't like ends. End, ends scare us. They, they make us sad. The reality is because of today, because of Sunday, we don't have any end. We don't have any end. I don't know if any of you noticed, but when we were singing I Love to Tell the Story this morning, all of a sudden I heard my dad's voice in my ear. What a blessing it is to know. That my dad died physically, but he's alive like never before. And I will see him again. 
I will see him again. I'll hear his voice singing off key again. I love to tell the story. I, this, you want to hear, this is just me. Can I, can you humor me? I'm not sure I want God to fix his voice. I miss my dad's off key singing. And it was off key. Unless he was in the spirit. And then he went, and see, that's kind of what worries me because he's going to be in heaven and he'll be in the spirit all the time. He'll be on pitch. (laughs) But I miss my dad's off key. Ends scare us, but because of today, there is no end. Linda, we're going to see Linda again. Alyssa's going to see her grandpa. There's no end. It can't be stolen. Our future literally, you know, people talk about that. You're, the sky's the limit for your future. This kid or that kid, what a future they have. We all have that kind of future because of the resurrection. Sin lost. It was defeated. We can be changed for all eternity. Jesus made a powerful statement in John chapter 10. He said this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. Did you hear that? That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He came to die and to be resurrected, to rise again on the third day. To rise again on the third day. He tried to tell him that. You heard that, right? In the... In the days, few days, the days preceding his death, he tried to tell him that. In fact, there are people who threatened him. Well, you can kill me, but in three days, coming back, going to rise again because I'm going to defeat sin in the grave. Jesus said he came to bring a life that's abundant. That's because we have Friday and we have Sunday. We have both days. We have the we have forgiveness. And we have victory. Our faith is not empty. Our faith is not futile. Our faith is powerful. Amen. Cheryl, could you come back and prepare to play that last chorus for us? Brandon, I'm going to have you put that back up here in just a second. Guys, why don't we stand? We're going to close this morning by partaking together of the Lord's Supper. Let's sing that.